0: Hello, and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Wednesday, September 27th, 2023. I'm Mike Cachapoli. All right, I'm a little buzzed, a little buzzed, not because I've been drinking. I don't drink, really. Um, Too expensive here in San Francisco, and I just don't like it. So I don't drink, but I am buzzed. I'm buzzed, baby, because I was just at the San Francisco Republican Party debate watch, which was held in a very nice... Very nice restaurant called uh, it called American Bites here in the North Beach area of San Francisco. And it was very nice. Very nice. Uh, I'll get more into some of the conversations I had with the people there. Something before I get into the <clears throat> nook and cranny of the debate and what was said and winners, losers, and so on and so forth, I have to say that when I was living in, uh, I ran for Congress. And I ran for Congress in Arizona and I ran for Congress in uh, a very rural area it was back then it was congressional district one there which was northern California uh, and eastern northern California and then I went over to the eastern part of uh, I'm sorry northern part of Arizona and then went to the eastern part of Arizona it was about two-thirds of the state very rural and uh, the biggest city was Flagstaff and that's where I lived right that was the biggest city in the district and that was like a, you know, and I, you know, I ran as a Democrat. That was a blue dot in a in 2000 and, <clears throat> when did I run 2006. It was a blue dot. It was still in 2006, a very, very, very red state. And when you're in these blue dots in red states, you find that the blue people, the Democrats, are very blue. They're very progressive. They're extreme progressive, right? That often happens, right? Because of the oppression around you. Everyone else is a Republican. You're a Democrat. The Democrats tend to be very extreme. They're not just centrist Democrats. You would think, you'd say, oh, the Arizona Democrats must be centrist. No, they're not. At least they weren't back then. They were very progressive. They were like Bernie, Elizabeth Warren kind of Democrats. So here in San Francisco, you're in the opposite, right? If you're in the Republican, obviously this is not a. This Flagstaff is actually blue. They vote blue. San Francisco doesn't vote red, but when you hang out with the very few Republicans who live here, it's like your own little red island in a in a very very blue city and blue state. And so you're going to get the opposite. You're going to find that the Republicans here are very extreme. They're not centrist Republicans, even though you would think. Oh. uh, uh, a Republican living in San Francisco must be centrist. They are not, so I'll get to that. Why I'm talking about this a little bit later. Um, but I watched the debate, and the first thing—well, the first thing—I got pissed off because the first half hour, I think DeSantis had one question. Right? The first half hour, they seemed to be talking to these peripheral candidates that have no chance. Everything was was uh, was uh, Christie and Pence and Bergam. And like, what is this? (laughs) What are you talking about? Go to the people in the center. How about the guy in the center there? How about him? Really the first 30 minutes, I think DeSantis had like 20 seconds. And I'm thinking, what the hell? I'm thinking, okay, this is the obvious setup. They don't want DeSantis to talk. And then it got a little bit better. The second half the last hour and 15 minutes was a little bit more fair, but I don't understand. I also don't understand this idea of having three. Why don't we have 75 moderators next time? Why do you need fucking three moderators for a two-hour debate with seven candidates? The British guy in the middle could have done the whole thing. He didn't need the two wacky chicks on the on the side. He could have done the whole thing. Why do you need three moderators? I'm sorry. I know I'm not imagining this. But when I was growing up, when I was like a teenager in my 20s and 30s, I remember these debates had one moderator. You had one. Then what happened was wokeism came into it and you couldn't just have the one male moderator, right? So you had to have a male and a female moderator. Now we're in even Fox business is extra woke world. You have to have two females flanking one British guy who's kind of effeminate because he's British anyway, right? It's ridiculous. How many freaking moderators do you need? Give me one. I don't care if it's a man, a woman, black. I don't give a shit. Give me one moderator. This is ridiculous. So the first half hour was a wash because it was all garbage questions to people who are going to be dropping out as the year goes along. Uh, We already had one dropout from Asa Hutchinson, right? What a shock, I know. So I would expect. Burgum, by the way, Doug Burgum seems like a very nice guy. I don't dislike him at all. He's, he's like, if you were casting a like small uh, state governor, it would be Doug Burnham, wouldn't it? That'd be the guy you would cast as a small state governor. He seems like a very decent guy. Uh, so, but he's going to drop out probably next debate. Because the next debate, which is November 8th, you have to have more percentage of the vote. And he's not going to have it in the polls. So he's going to have to drop out. So little by little, it'll whittle down. It was eight, it's seven. Next time, maybe six, or f- probably six next time, right? I would think Trump, I would think, sorry, Trump, we'll talk about that fat crapo in a second, but uh, I, I would think that Pence would last a while. I would think that Christie would maybe be the next one. Is that what you would think? After bergham Christie, right? Even though I like Christie, I think he's very funny. I like that he goes after Trump and everything he says about Trump is is accurate. So, But it'll whittle down, all right? So now we're down to seven, still too many. They each get a few seconds and that stupid bell rings and they have to move on and they're just yelling over each other. But what really stood out to me once, once DeSantis started to get some questions, is that he was, I thought he was great in the first debate. He gave me chills, he was so good in this one. Someone told him, and it was accurate, that the one thing the one criticism of debate number one was that you were too uh, stiff, okay? You were too looking into the camera talking and like nothing else was going on around you. Be, be a little bit more natural, okay? Be a little bit, smile a little more, laugh a little bit more, be a little bit more casual, and he was. He was incredibly natural. I saw a very different presentation. The The substance is the same. The things he was saying were the same issues, right? But it was the, the, the presentation was so smooth so real that's the thing he was much more real and authentic than he was in the first debate so think about that the ability of this guy to adjust to get better he's already really good but to get better to take the criticism i'm sure his advisors got together said let's watch this and they watched it and he said you know you're right and he adjusted In a month's time, he adjusted. I thought it was one of the best debate performances I've ever seen in my life. And I have watched a ton of debates, unfortunately. I've watched a ton of these things. And he just came across so real and authentic and natural and uh, relaxed. Uh, maybe that's part of – because he knows he's winning now and he's doing well on the campaign trail and Trump keeps making mistakes and it could, it could be part of it. But it just it just seemed as though he got into that room with his debate people and took their criticism and saw and saw what, what the problem was and he adjusted it and it was fantastic. It really was. I mean I thought he was very presidential but a little stiff in the first one. In this one, he was presidential and he was a real guy. And I think this is like incredible, really was. Um, Daniel, I'll put you on in a second, but I want to just, I, I just want to play one clip. This is an Iowa focus group and they, this is like 39 seconds. And they spoke about who they thought was the best.
1: I ask a show of hands now Okay, do an
2: alphabetical order who you think did best during this debate. All of you, Bergman. One, Christine. Okay, so his toughness and appeal to everybody tonight. DeSantis, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Haley, one, two, three, four, five, six. Pence, Ramaswamy, one. Scott, all right, so it looks like DeSantis, the winner in this room. Who do you think this was a bad night for? Pence. Pence,
1: Pence, Pence.
0: Okay, so the majority was DeSantis followed by Haley, even though a lot of reports on Twitter, people thought Haley was terrible. She was too shrill and talking over people. There was a moment, though, where she was talking, and DeSantis was looking at her, and I almost see him thinking, hey, maybe she could be a good vice president. That's what I thought he might have been thinking about her. I didn't think she was bad. I don't think she was – well, maybe she was number two. I don't know. I thought Christie might have been number two. but. I think here's the problem. (laughs) Yeah. I'm talking all these positive things. DeSantis was fantastic. He was great. The Iowa people thought he won. The reason why those Iowa people though, at the same time, didn't think Christie won is because he was too tough on Trump. They are still stuck on Trump. Remember they're asking who was the best at the debate. Now at the end, of the debate in San Francisco. They did this straw poll where they asked people to clap. And uh, still the the biggest applause was for Donald Trump, the guy that wasn't there, followed by DeSantis, by the way, which is an improvement because Vivek came in second last time. This time it was he was third, DeSantis was second, at the second best applause. Um, but which is proving my point about these Iowa voters and voters in general is that they're still stuck on the guy isn't there. Now, people ask me who was the loser of that debate. It has to be obvious to anyone who wasn't part of this crazy sick cycle cult that the guy who doesn't have the cock or balls to show up is the loser. The guy who doesn't have the fucking cock or balls to show up is the loser. This is common sense, okay, people? This is common sense. If you don't have the balls to debate, you're the fucking loser, okay? And I agree with anyone on that stage, including Chris Christie, who said everyone here is a winner. This guy is a loser. Right. He appreciates everyone there for going up there and presenting themselves to voters. And the guy who's not there is a loser. But this cult is still very strong. The Trump cult is still very strong. And I had arguments at the end of this. Because when he got the biggest applause, I started booing. And I said, if you want to fucking win, you idiots, drop this fucking fat fuck. I don't care. I call people who liked. I say, you like him? I think he's a fat fuck. And I hope he ends up in jail dead. I love saying this to people. And they're like, oh, my God. I so this cult is still strong. There are still many Republicans who are as dumb fuck as Democrats, who are no smarter than Democrats. There's still plenty of Republicans who are as fucking dumb As Democrats, if you think this guy, you know what? I agree with Donald Trump that there's no need for debates because you don't need these debates to know that Ron DeSantis is stratospheres above him. You don't need these debates to know that. So I agree with Trump. You don't need these debates. And yet even with these debates, you still have this strong, fucking, wacky, sicko, psychological connection to this old, fat, octogenarian, almost slob. I don't fucking get it. And I can't understand why these people don't realize if they want to be the party of Trump, they're going to lose. As Ron DeSantis says, they have lost the last three election cycles. Republicans lost in 18. Republicans lost in 20. And when the polls, those same polls that say Trump is winning, said Republicans are going to have this tsunami wave, didn't happen. That was also a loss because all of Trump's candidates, well, 90 percent of them lost. He is poison. They will never win until they fucking get rid of him, until they get over him. But they're still not. I'm telling you that now. Okay, he got the biggest applause at the San Francisco GOP. As I said, as I prefaced, when you are a red dot in a very blue state, you tend to be extreme. And the extremists in the Republican Party here in San Francisco react to the hatred of Trump by loving him. Okay? So this is... This is a lot of the Trump cult to begin with. They want to adore him just to spite people who hate him, but that's not the way you win elections because independents come next November don't think that way. They're not like, oh, we're voting for Trump because we want him to win to spite Democrats. They don't think that way, only the cult thinks that way. As I've said, I don't want to be part of a party that can't see that Trump can't win, that are heading us into oblivion in this country by nominating Donald Trump, that don't take the country seriously enough, who truly believe that Trump has a better chance to become president of the United States again than he does to go to jail. I can't be part of that kind of a party, just the way I can't be part of a party that believes in COVID mandates or believes Hillary or Biden are better candidates than Bernie Sanders, I couldn't be part of that party either. I can't be part of the party of COVID mandates, and I can't be part of the party of a Trump mandate. It's that fucking simple. Daniel, I know you probably have to get up early, so I'm going to put you on, cut my rant off. How you doing, Daniel? I'm okay. Um, just, just two comments. Um,
2: I didn't watch, I watched a few clips. So I didn't watch the whole thing all the way through, and so I just got one question: Was was Nikki Haley uh, a bitch all the way through? I saw her interacting with uh, Vivek, and um,
0: she was well, just she's just being a nasty bitch. She thinks Vivek is naive when it comes to geopolitical stuff, right? When it comes to Russia and Ukraine and and uh, international politics, she just thinks he's an idiot, which she probably is. But you know, she wants to you know voice that. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's just what it what it comes down to, you know. She look, Haley's yeah, whole nastiness
2: that with that one comment of something about every time I hear you speak, I get a little dumber or something like something like that. Yeah, it's well, but
0: but she was re- referring to his thoughts on the international stage. Yeah, yeah, so, well,
2: whatever. It was just it was just a it was just a mean bitchy comment. It just I know. R- well,
0: well, a woman's allowed to be a bitch. You see, they'd say you're being. Um, chauvinist that men can be that way, but women can't.
2: Yeah, no, guys, guys don't talk that way.
0: Well, Christie was pretty nasty towards uh, Vivek. At one point, he said, "Like Vivek was a little child." He said, "Put your hand down, Vivek. Put your hand down." So that's kind of bitchy, right? I mean, you know, I don't know. Look, they're all going to try to bring their strengths. And look, Nikki's strength is is foreign policy. I mean, that's her that's her strength. And you you can agree with her or not. On her foreign policy views, on her very pro-American exceptionalism views, you know, American she's a
2: freaking she's a freaking neocon. We were done. Yeah, with right. But I'm though, that's, that's that's what I'm saying is though that actually Trump it, in was being right. done with neocons.
0: Right, but what I'm saying is there are a lot of neocons out there that know a lot about international affairs. We don't have to agree with their take on it or their uh, solutions. But she knows a lot. I mean, she was she was in there. She was in the State Department, right? She that's she knows true. what she's doing. You know, she, so. talks, she, she talks a lot.
2: She talks the neocon line, and that doesn't mean she knows a lot. She's an idiot. She, uh, she with, with so many other, helped, helped get us into a, a an inv- the invasion of Iraq based on lies. I mean, she's a fucking moron. Tell, say, tell me that she knows a
0: lot. Oh, well, I'm not a fan of her. her. I'm just saying that's – No, no, no. no I, explain, I, know,
2: I know. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I know you're kind of playing devil's advocate. I'm just – Her um,
0: experience is in that area is what I'm saying. I know, and their experience is fucking us over. Yeah, well, you know, look, I, I, I had a very interesting conversation at the end with a guy who was, has ex- an older man who has experienced living behind the Iron Curtain. And he gave me his view on Russia and Ukraine and, and what Putin wants to do to bring back the Soviet Union, the old Soviet Union. And now he's going to want to go into Estonia and he's going to want to go into these NATO countries, which will start World War III. And we have to stop him from doing that. So I was listening to him and I was listening to his point of view. Um, and it's interesting I think, to have the view of someone who was like there, who lived it, who lived behind the Iron Curtain. Except I'm a I'm a I'm a 52 year old American. I have none of that experience. So when I say experience, that's what I didn't have to agree with him, and we disagreed a lot on Putin. But what I'm saying is she does bring that. That's her thing. And what she's trying to point out is Vivek, the young American businessman's naivete when it comes to these issues. That's all. That's all yeah. she's trying to do.
2: Yeah, I'm not defending Vivek. I'm just saying she's been she's been an ass, and um, and whether and whether it's um. This is a gender-specific comment or not. It doesn't really matter because people don't like women that behave like that.
0: Well, but those Iowa voters, they thought she came in second. They thought she was the second best. Now, there could be, well, many, well, there could be many reasons for that. One of, the, one of the reasons could be that among voters in Iowa, at least this group, it's a small group, they believe in what we're doing right now, that we need to be even stronger against Putin. So they would then agree with Nikki Haley on that stuff, right?
2: Yeah, but the, the, the you said the um uh Iowa, Iowa voters agreed with you. This this was what some little tiny group of uh, yeah, you know,
0: where they have like a yeah. group of like 20 25 yeah, yeah, people, yes,
2: yeah. yeah, I can say, yeah, that's I'm sure that's a big statistical sampling there,
0: of what's... but I think they liked uh, once again. But if you were to like Nikki Haley, a lot of Republicans would because many Republicans are for what we're doing and in, want in even stronger stance, right? <laughs> I, many Republicans I spoke to tonight said the same. Said no, Biden should have sent in weapons ahead of more weapons, gone full bore from from day one. So I'm saying this is a Republican primary, right? And if you're in Iowa, which is a very, very red state, very you know suburban red state, it's not out of the question that they're going to agree with the with the neocon point of view. That's it. Yeah, yeah, I, think, yeah, you I don't I, have to. I don't have to. I'm just saying this is. No, no, if no, you I, think Nikki Haley did just, well, no, that's no, no, why. I,
2: right? I, I know where you're coming from. I know. Yeah. I, I know what you're, the point that you're trying to make. I totally get that. Uh, my, my my second comment was, um, was was something I've said many many times before. Um, DeSantis really is um, an exceptional pol- politician. I've said this many times before. He thinks on his feet better than any other politician I have ever seen in my entire life.
0: Yeah, he is. He does. He's very good. He's he's extremely good. He's never caught off guard. He's never yeah. caught off guard. Even with the question, some people think he was caught off guard with one question, and it was the question about health insurance. And they said that um, Florida has the most uninsured, like two and a half million uninsured. Because he, he was touting all these great things about Florida. And they said, well, one thing that's not great is you have the most uninsured people. Why? And so some people felt his answer wasn't satisfactory. But Basically, what his answer was, was, well, you know, a lot of people are moving to Florida, we're getting a lot of new people. And on top of that, you know, our unemployment is the lowest. And we do believe that people should, basically, what he said was, we believe people should have to work (laughs) to get health insurance. (laughs) And it shouldn't be given to them. It shouldn't just be people shouldn't just move to Florida and expect handouts that they go there, and you work. And you go to you go to a job like I said. that's not him. I'm saying that's not him. Starbucks, and you get great health insurance. You know, so basically, he was saying, you know, we believe in like people being able to be upwardly mobile and 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 do this for themselves, and therefore that could be a reason why they have a few more un, uninsured people. Notice there could be other reasons too that I don't know about. You know, there could be a million different reasons that yeah. make that the case. I, I don't. I don't know. Let's put this way, I have Obamacare, right? But if I were to move to Florida, I would have to reapply. Okay, it doesn't carry. I have the California thing, you know, public California. I would need to go to Florida and get whatever they provide. Or the so it could be a it could be a gap of people moving there and losing their insurance, you, losing their Obamacare, and then having to reapply. And while they're in that period of reapplying, they're uninsured, and that goes towards the numbers. Who knows? I didn't think his answer was that bad. He's not going to say. Look, Ron DeSantis is not going to be for uh, Medicare for all. He's not. So, you know. Yep, yep, yep.
2: yep. And and good for him because we can't afford it, not with the obesity pandemic that we have. and, And it's getting worse. It's just it's just unsustainable, as I've said before. And I'm glad that people are. And I wish he would just point that out. I wish he'd point out from a dollar's perspective. Um, that it is simply unsustainable. And I wish other candidates would as well. I mean, saying something along the lines of, you know, I really wish, you know, we could have Medicare for all, but in order to ever see that, Americans are going to start having to be responsible with respect to their own health. This is not sustainable and it's irresponsible. And it's just downright mean to expect other people to pay for your bad behavior. I really want a candidate to
0: get up there and say that. And remember, DeSantis is the one who, who sued Big Pharma. No one else has. Yeah. He yeah, has. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. the only governor to sue yeah. Big Pharma. No Democratic yeah. governors have sued Big Pharma. So it's a little disingenuous to make it look like, you know, he, he's yeah. responsible for people not having health insurance, or he doesn't want people, or he's in the big pocket of Big Pharma. That's nonsense. He's suing them. He's the yeah. one who said, he's the one who just said, if you're under 65, don't get this vaccine, which is going to really, you know, uh, cut into Big Pharma's profits. So, It's total bullshit. By the way, Daniel, very conveniently, they never asked one question about COVID, COVID regulations, uh, the vaccine, the new vaccine, the new boosters, nothing. It's almost as though they didn't want to feed into Ron DeSantis' wheelhouse. But really, not one question about that.
2: It's almost as as though the mercenary media doesn't want us talking about uh, uh, COVID because... They need to support because they're a big, big source of advertising dollars. The pharmaceutical
0: industry, exactly, like this on Republican debate is sponsored by yes. Pfizer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, that's what's, that's what's going on there. They're, 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 they're just,
0: I mean, it's, it's, it should be obvious
2: to everyone. Um, anyway, I gotta go because you're right, I do gotta get up.
0: Yes, you have to head to a liberal university tomorrow. I know. Yep, yep. <laughs> okay, have a good one. Okay, all right, yeah, Daniel is it works at he's a Berkeley guy so that's uh why he has to that's a liberal university he works for um okay so we played the sound bite of the Iowa uh caucus the Iowa voters um there was some really good there was a one question that he answered so well DeSantis and I didn't even think of it usually I'm ahead of everyone on these questions but they said to him I think it was Dana Perino, who's a total airhead, said something like, uh, how are you going to win over purple states being so stridently pro-life? And he said, I just did. It's called Florida. (laughs) The purple is the purple states until he turned it red. So he had this, once again, this new, like, this six-week abortion thing and the pro-life thing. and The Florida voters knew this about him, okay? And they still gave him a one and a half million vote victory in purple, Florida, where a Democrat or Republican before Ron DeSantis used to win by a half a point or one point. So that was a perfect answer. There's no more purple state that's in that's kind of representative of much of America than Florida. And he just won it with these stances. That question, that answer was so fucking good. It was so good. And he's using his successes in Florida perfectly, where he says, we did this in Florida, we won. We did this in Florida, we won. We did this in Florida, we won. I did this, people talk about it, but I did it and I won. And that's just, (laughs) it surely is the Florida blueprint. And There might be a Florida blueprint for the country, but there's certainly a Florida blueprint for Ron DeSantis to win. He can win just the way he won Florida. He can win over independents. He can win over Latinos. He can win over blacks. He can win over even some Democrats. That's the way you win this country. Not by alienating all independents and every Democrat and just getting your cult, Donald Trump. That's not the way you win a general election. That's the way he hopes to win the primary. But of course, once again, he would have no chance with just his cult to win. A general election, even though they seem to think, see, this is the they seem to have his cult seem to have the same big head he has. They think everyone is like them. They think everyone thinks like them. They think everyone wants the sick kind of revenge of putting Donald Trump in the White House that they have. They think everyone else sees the DOJ the way they do. They think everyone else sees Jack Smith the way they do. They don't. The majority, the overwhelming majority of this country do not agree with Trumpers. And they don't want Trump to be president again. But it's this this desire for revenge that keeps them on his side. They, they truly think, and this is a sick psycho fantasy, this is like a fuck fantasy, that he is going to win again. And they're going to have this big orgy when he wins again with each other celebrating his big victory over the establishment, over the swamp, over the this, over the Department of Justice. It's a sick fantasy. It's like a dream you have, and when you wake up, you realize, oh, this is never going to happen. It was a dream. They're stuck in this sick dream. I've told them many times, if you want some sort of revenge, you're going to have to get it through Ron DeSantis, or you ain't getting it. They're going to take a giant dump on your head again, because Biden's gonna win again. And then where's your revenge when Biden wins again? Where's your revenge when the Republicans lose the Senate and the House and lose the Supreme Court? Where's your revenge? Where's your revenge? What good is it if Trump's court lasts less than a decade? What's your revenge? But with the cult, all of this doesn't matter. And that's what a lot of people are saying, right? That these debates don't matter to them, and they don't. They don't matter to them. It doesn't matter how good Ron DeSantis performed. It doesn't doesn't matter how smart he is, how well he answers the questions, how much he's achieved, they will stick with Donald Trump. We won't know until the voting starts how big that, that block is. Right now it's just, it's like uh, in the air, it's not real. We can't feel it, we cannot hold it, it's impossible. You don't know. People put percentages on this all the time, right? They're 20%, they're 25%. I don't know, we'll know once the voting happens, we'll know. And there was a clip. During the debate, they were playing because they were at the DeSantis, uh, DeSantis. listen to me, DeSantis Library. I'm way ahead of myself, the Reagan Library, and they were playing these clips of Ronald Reagan. And one clip they played was October 21, 1984. What that was was the debate with Mondale, two weeks before he won 49 out of 50 states. Now, Ronald Reagan knew he was going to destroy Walter Mondale, unlike these fake polls now. By the way, polls were better... For some reason, polls were better 40 years ago. Try to figure that out, but they were. But he knew, everyone knew. It was a lead pipe cinch fact that he was going to destroy Mondale and was probably going to be the biggest landslide in history. But he was there debating Mondale, wasn't he? He didn't use Trump's excuse. He could have. Oh, I have no chance. The other guy has no chance. Why should I even bother doing this? He didn't do it. He gave him, I believe it was the three debates. A friend of mine ran for U.S. Senate a guy named Stu Starkey. He ran in Arizona, this guy's an educator, and he ran in 2004 for US Senate against John McCain, at the height of John McCain's popularity, four years before he ran for president. McCain knew he was gonna get 75 to 80% of the vote, there was no Democrat, there was no educator, progressive Democrat in Arizona in 2004 that was gonna beat John McCain. McCain gave him three debates, took him out to dinner, after a debate. And when McCain was asked why, he said, because I believe in democracy. Because I believe, if I believe my answers are better and my um, solutions are better, I have to present them to the people and debate my opponent, okay? Yet Donald Trump is too fucking good. His polls are so fucking good that he doesn't have to do that. If Donald Trump doesn't believe in democracy. If Ronald Reagan believed in democracy, if John McCain if these fucking people – look, you can uh, say what you like about Reagan, what you don't like about Reagan, what you like about McCain, what you don't like about – if uh, if people with the cachet of Ronald Reagan and John McCain can give debates, then this fucking fat belligerent slob can debate also. And his, his excuses are his own. His excuses are his own. The, the thing he's not, we know what the real answer is. He's afraid. You watch DeSantis in these debates. You even watch Christie in these debates, and you can see why Trump doesn't want to be there. Believe me, if DeSantis weren't there and Christie were not there, Trump would be there. He's not afraid of Mike Pence. He's not afraid of Vivek or, or Nikki Haley, but he's afraid of DeSantis, and he's also afraid of Chris Christie. And that's why he doesn't want to be at these debates, because he has no fucking cock, no balls, and he's a fucking fat slob who needs to go away. I think Christie almost said that. He didn't curse like I do. But he said that tonight, didn't he? He said something like he needs to go away. He needs to leave. He's right. What he'll do is he'll go to jail. And he'll either go to jail and we'll have President Biden, or he'll go to jail and we'll have President DeSantis. And that's what Republicans need to decide. Trump is going to jail. He's going to jail. Do you want him in jail with President Biden or President DeSantis? And remember, President DeSantis may very well pardon him. President Biden will never, ever pardon him. So that's the decision you're going to have to make. Either way, he's going to jail, not the White House. And the sooner you come to that reality, the better it will be for the rest of us, like me. The better it will be for the rest of the country. As soon as you come to that realization. Here's DeSantis. By the way, I hear a DeSantis Newsom debate is gonna happen on Hannity in November. I think it's actually going to happen, which is a true <laughs> slap in the face to Trump. That two months before the first voting, DeSantis is gonna have this platform where shouldn't it be Trump? Shouldn't it be the front the supposed front runner? So it's going to be DeSantis and Newsom debating on Hannity, I believe, in November. But here's something else that DeSantis uh, proposed.
1: And you know what? Maybe yeah. we can say, since the former president didn't come here, maybe he'd be willing to do one with, with you and I. I think he owes it to our voters to come and make the case. We're I mean, not challenging. So this is going to be Hannity one-on-one debate. <laughs> Let's center. do it. Let's <laughs> do it, right? I'll do anything. So, I'll ask. Here, here's the thing, though. You owe it to the voters to come and make the case. No one's entitled to anything. You know, you yeah. can say, oh, some poll months before. No, you got to make the case. you got to owe it to the voters. So I'm going to show up everywhere. I think that that's what we were able to do. And, um, you know, there were some, I think, some important issues that were that were discussed tonight. There's also others that I know you and I have talked about that weren't discussed. But at the end of the day, I think the thing that was clear for this, there's a lot of talk. A lot of people had good things to say. I'm the guy that's done it. In you Florida, know, this was we did everything I promised.
0: So there you go. And that's definitely his blueprint. You can see this, right? Which is, I did it in Florida. I'll do it for the country, right? I did the economy in Florida. I'll do it for the country. I did crime in Florida. I'll do it for the country. I did this in Florida, and I'll do it for the country. (laughs) And until he doesn't do that, you can't say he's not going to do it because he gets everything done. He gets everything done. As I go through my Twitter feed, I'm just looking more at – Here's a very interesting, Trump likes to talk about a lot of polls, right? But here's one that really shows how he's not as strong as he thinks he is. Trump does not have a commanding lead. This is from Bill Mitchell on Twitter. He's at 20% core support in Iowa, 23% core support in New Hampshire, meaning 80% of the GOP is looking for an off-ramp with this guy. As the titular incumbent for the GOP, 20% 20% core support is pathetic and, hit w- and will fail. And he's right. He's right. The people not considering him or looking for others are, are much bigger than the people who are his core supporters. So this is a mirage that Trump is ahead. He's just using these fake polls as a, as a reason not to debate and to try to have this air of inevitability. And as we're seeing now, the only game he can play is cancel the debates, right? That's what he's saying now. The third debate, by the way, is going to be in Miami, in DeSantis' uh, headquarters, uh, on November 8th. That'll be the third debate. So about two months before the voting starts in Iowa will be the third debate. I think there were four or five before January. But Trump has already said, no, they should cancel. The RNC should cancel all these. It doesn't matter. I've won. I mean, this guy is seriously a sick fuck he i know the way to put it he's a sick man he's a very very sick individual when your only argument is cancel the debates cuz i'm claiming i've won four months before the voting even starts you got to be a sick person to even think of saying that and you you're your cult, you have to be dumb you have to be dumb people to believe this crap you have to be dumb Once again, this point in 2015, President Jeb Bush, this point in 2008, was it? President Rudy Giuliani, did did that ever happen? Did they ever come close? How about President Ted Cruz, did that happen? Look, it's maddening, it really is. And I, I don't, look, I get mad on this show, but I get mad in person too. I was yelling at people tonight, right? One guy says, you know, he's trying to excuse this, excuse Trump. You know, it's amazing. Excuses don't work for anybody else. They don't work for Joe Biden. They don't work for – when Trump was criticizing Hillary for being afraid to debate or criticizing Biden for canceling a debate or criticizing Biden for hiding in his basement and not coming out and campaigning, why is that okay? But then he's allowed to do all that stuff he criticized because you're in a cult and your cult leader can get away with anything. And that's what makes me mad at these people. I can't have a civil conversation with people with that fucking hypocritical, ridiculous mindset. That there are certain... But this is what they believe. There are certain rules for Trump and then certain rules for everybody else. Trump can hide in his basement. Joe Biden can't. Trump cannot debate, but Joe Biden can't not debate. Hillary Clinton can't not debate. Donald Trump doesn't have to campaign, but Joe Biden, he has to campaign. It, it, it's a... It, it's an illness. It's an illness. Just like this, the transgender stuff is an illness, this is also an illness. These people are ill. And so I argue with them. And I think, Mike, God, you said on your podcast a million times. You can't argue with these cultists. They are in a cult. Yes, it's ruinous. Yes, they can destroy us all. But this is a cult, and they're not going to change. So don't worry about that 20% core support. Right? Worry about the 80% that are willing to vote for someone else. And that's the way we have to look at this, right? The 20% core support, forget, they're not going to, let's put it this way, if you're still supporting Trump now, you're probably not going to leave his side. Right? Even though a recent poll said half people, half of those people will, if he's convicted. We'll see. But that hasn't happened yet. Right? So You have to look at that 20% and you figure it won't happen because these trials are not going to last a week. They're going to last like the OJ. They're going to last months, right? So you have to figure there'll be no conviction before the primary season's over. The convictions will come before the general, right? Another reason why he can't win. So, But you have to figure that 20% is going to stay there and they're not going to leave his side. And so you have to forget them. You have to pretend they don't exist. It's hard for me to do that. I can't do it. But uh, I think that's the plan. Right. That's the that's the that's the most realistic way of going about this. It's just focusing on the 80 percent that you can get on your side. I would have to say that after his performance tonight, uh, he's got another chunk of that 80 percent coming his way. Um, And as he said, when he was asked about the polls and he said, you know, elections, it's, it's amazing that in 2023, someone like Ron DeSantis still has to stay has to say to everybody, Voters decide elections, not polls. It's it's (laughs) even after the polls were so so off just a few months ago in 2022, he still has to remind people of this. So and take it state by state and Iowa will then change what happens in New Hampshire. That will change what happens in Nevada. That will change what happens in South Carolina. And that'll change the whole dynamic before we get to Super Tuesday and California on March 5th. Right. So you focus on those early states. And that's what he's doing. But here's another great answer. He was talked he was talking about this idea of war, right? And Ukraine and boots on the ground and all that. And this was his answer in regards to that
1: i was just at the 9-11 memorial with the families my wife and i were. but it's very touching to be there and it affected my life because i ended up joining the military as a result of that um i've been a blue collar kid minimum wage in dunnean florida i end up getting through yale and harvard law school and somehow came out more conservative than when i went in and that is not easy to do had a lot of opportunities to, to make money but i wanted to serve and i'll never forget coming back on the plane from iraq uh, landing in Coronado, California, North Island, and feeling that breeze off the Pacific Ocean, say, you know what? I am lucky to have been born an American. And I think being able to serve, and I'll be the first president elected since 1988 who's actually served uh, overseas in a war. I think that's going to help me as commander in chief to know how you see these issues and understand that there are real lives at stake for people that wear the uniform. I mean- so you'd
0: so yeah, be the first president since uh, Bush, daddy Bush, right? to have served um it's a great answer once again it's the it's the the perfect answer that I was there I've been in this I understand it from that angle of people who have served no one else on this stage including the guy sitting at home dipping potato chips into salsa doesn't understand remember he had flat feet so he couldn't go into the war um that I'm going to be the guy who knows who can, who can give it from different angles, a political angle and having been there, right? Experience, right? The knowledge, the know-how. Uh, and what he did tonight was also very interesting. He did a lot more of this, I met these people, I met Joe, this, and very good. It, it, it really was very personal. And also uh, that uh, the humor of like, I went to Yale and Harvard, I came out more conservative. You know, that's funny. And he was funny tonight. He was humorous. He was real. He was human. He was perfect. I, I don't think I've seen a better performance. This performance was as good as Obama's performance was bad <laughs> in that first debate, if you remember. Although Obama adjusted, you know, he adjusted. DeSantis adjusted from the last one, and Obama, you know, got back on his feet. But that first debate against Romney was terrible. Um, but this was great. This was just superb. Superb. I don't know how we can get any better than this. That's the only problem. I don't know. Just do this all the time, I guess, repeat. Um, I thought some of the questions were so stupid tonight. I mean, you don't ask any questions about COVID or the vaccine or the boosters or big pharma. Uh, And then you talk about, look, people don't, people don't get up on election day and vote on abortion. They don't. The media pretends people do. That's a media induced narrative. That people care about abortion. There are a handful of extremists on both sides who care about abortion more than their their wallet or, or crime. Look, how many people care about abortion? How many how many people are affected by abortion? <laughs> well, how many people are affected by transgender issues compared to crime and the economy? It, it's 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 microscopic, microscopic. Yet all the time. We hear more questions about abortion and now transgender stuff than we do the economy and crime. This is what the media wants you to believe is important. And these are wedge issues that are not important to most people. Most parents will never have to worry about their boy wanting to be a girl or their girl wanting to be a boy. The, mm-hmm. the number of parents that will have to worry about their their daughter wanting to get her breast cut off or their son wanting to get their dick cut off is microscopic compared to people who care about crime and the economy, their wallet. Can they feed themselves? Can they afford to go to work? Can they afford the, afford the gas to go to work? Can they put food on the table? Can they walk in the streets at night and not be murdered or raped or robbed? That's what people care about. And that's what people will always vote on. Bill Clinton said it. it's the economy, stupid, and will always be the economy, stupid. Now, there are elections where there are other issues that take forefront. This one would be maybe the immigration because of fentanyl, right? Maybe the crime because crime's going up in other cities, a lot of cities. But it's not, abortion and transgender stuff is never gonna be in the forefront of minds. And you see that in exit polls. These issues are never in the top five. They're not. Most people, this is never going to affect them. I was talking to someone who's running for office here in San Francisco after, and I was talking about suburban women. What do suburban women care about? Because that's biggest voting block. Forget men. Forget blacks. Suburban women. Suburban women care about family. Not San Francisco women. Not New York women. They're much more selfish. They care about themselves, which is why they will talk about things like abortion more, right? My body, my choice. I want to fuck as many people as I want and get as many abortions as I want and fuck you for saying I can't. They're not going to care about the family unit the way suburban women care about the family unit, right? They care about the family unit. And Republicans are winning that if they let DeSantis be the nominee, I should say, they will win that debate. They'll win the debate of I'm the parent of my child, not the government. I decide what's best for my child, not the government. I don't want my child learning about transgender stuff or or, or racism when they're 10, 11, 12 years old. I decide. I decide, not the government. The Republicans are on the right side there, and they can really sweep suburban women if it's Ron DeSantis, not Donald Trump. Suburban women skeeve Donald Trump. There are some in the cult, but overwhelmingly, especially the independent independent women, independent suburban women, they skeeve Donald Trump. So you lose another, we talked about yesterday, all the issues you lose the high road, the right side of issues you lose if Donald Trump's the nominee. Here's another one. You will lose suburban women. That's the block you win general election win. If Republicans can get suburban women on their side, they will win a lot of elections. Look at the exit polls. The reason why they've lost all these elections is because suburban women are voting for Democrats. The independent suburban women are voting for Democrats because they skeeve Trump and anything that's connected to Donald Trump and many many democrats independents continue to believe that if you have an r next to your name and this is the this is this is the exact fault of the republican party and leadership they have allowed this to happen that if you have an r next to your name you are trump that is poison the republicans will never win if people go to the voting booth thinking everyone with an R, whether you're running for president, whether you're running for Senate, whether you're running for US Congress or fucking dog catcher. If you have an R next to your name, you're a Trumper. They will never win another election. They have to separate themselves from Donald Trump and the cult, make them the extremist like the Tea Party, ship them out to sea and get behind Ron DeSantis, get behind a normal standard conservative Republican like Ronald Reagan. That's what they have to do. That's the winning formula. It's right there. It's right in front of them. It's right in front of them. Center stage tonight is easy to see as you know, the stars in a clear night. But once again, here in San Francisco, at that small gathering of Republicans, Trump got the biggest applause. I'm telling the truth. I wish it wasn't the case. And the biggest boo for me. It's just a fact. So the jury is out on what will happen, obviously. I'm still very confident that DeSantis will chip away that 80 percent who please give me a reason not to vote for Donald Trump and he'll win. Hey Bill, how's it going? Did did nature call? You've been you've been listening from the beginning.
3: I, I came in about twenty minutes. I missed the beginning, Mike. I, I was listening to the debate, <laughs> and I had to turn it off about three quarters of the way through. Um, I, I'm all right. The pros and cons, the way I see it, right?
0: Wait, you were listening or watching?
3: Well, I was watching. Listening on my cell phone, you know what I mean. I, I, it was the coverage, and uh, oh, I was laying down. I was listening. Thing.
0: It's a different, yeah. it's a different experience when you listen audio only as opposed to watching them talk. It's always different experience, right?
3: Well, I mean, I was watching the cell phone screen.
0: Oh, okay, uh, okay. all right.
3: You know, okay. yeah.
0: Go ahead. Give me your takeaways. Give me your takeaway.
3: Let me breathe a little bit here. Well, well as far as the debate itself. I. They need to have control and be able to mute mics. There was too much over talking.
0: Totally. Totally. And there are yeah. three friggin' moderators. <laughs> Bill, three moderators. Where they need twelve? I don't know. It's so stupid.
3: Yeah. Well, all they have to be have the ability to mute mics, and they'll solve that right away. Well, you know. And and, well, at pre-
0: one point, Dana Perino said to Mister Bergum, I might have to mute your mic. I don't want to do that. Why not do it?"
3: Do it. Well, one way they can do it is if I ask you a question, everybody else's mic is muted until you have your time up. And then next, you know, they should keep all the mics muted and only unmute them
0: so when easy. someone's it's turned easy. to talk. If it yeah. be. It's so easy to do from the control room, right? It's, it's incredibly It would easy. seem to me. But you know what they're told? We want excitement, we want that spontaneous moment. But you know what? That might work when there were two or three people. I mean, right. Not, not when there were seven. Not when there were
3: seven. Yeah, the other disappointment is I didn't feel every candidate had an opportunity to answer each question. They no, didn't. No,
0: you're right. It was very odd. also, I'm not that big on opening and closing statements, but they didn't allow them. They had no opening. Or clo- I, I, in a way, I get it because it's all very staid and it's all very practiced and it's read right off a teleprompter. I get it. I'm not huge on opening and closing. It's easy to do an opening and closing statement. So, okay, so that saves time, I guess, right? Because when you're doing that, maybe you do it with two of them, but with seven, it takes a lot of time to do opening close. But there was, but the format was bizarre. It was like each question, like two of them would answer it, right? Right. <laughs> and then they go to a new question, and another two would answer. And what drove me insane was literally the first thirty minutes. DeSantis spoke for 15 seconds.
3: I know. I was waiting for him. Yeah.
0: He's in the center. He's in the center. Why are you having right. people on the periphery who are going to drop out in the next month talking so much? It doesn't make any sense.
3: Well, one of the things they, they have, the one of the problems, they don't give people enough time uh, to answer the question, I don't think, number one, is everybody should have a chance to answer the same question, you know, for sure. Um I, you know, I, I, it's just some obvious things that, that are glaringly uh, frustrating to watch. You know, um, that was part of one of the reasons I finally stopped about three-quarters of the way through. But the other problem I had was just overall, okay, there's a lot of issues here because as far as justice and, you know, the law, nobody's talking about we have a multi-tiered justice system in this country. We do. The people who have a lot of money can buy their way out of a lot of things, Mike. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, the police are there to protect the establishment. Correct. doesn't matter how damn corrupt it is. And it's very rare that the police will intercede and arrest a lawyer, for example, or a judge, or someone who's a CEO, Look at, look at Enron, IndyMac, One West Bank, Pickham. How many of those guys went to jail? Mm-hmm. So when I'm sitting there, I'm watching people talk about justice and the law and whatnot. It's very frustrating because Bill, it's hypocritical.
0: I, I, I was talking about this with the security guard in my building. I said, even mm-hmm. when Trump goes to jail, mm-hmm. do you know the jail he goes to will be nicer than any resort that you or I have ever been to?
3: I'm sure it would be, yeah. I've never yeah. been, but...
0: What do they call yeah. it, club fed? club fed? I've heard
3: that, uh, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, it will be. This is not an exaggeration. It'll be nicer than any resort you or I could ever afford. So there's your justice there. What a The young black kid who commits a crime, he goes to, you know, Rikers Island, right?
3: Oh, yeah, not only that, if he did a, a minor... Let's say he shoplift, He's going to go to jail, or, you know, maybe not first offense, but, you know, depending on the degree of the crime... Um, but, you know, the, the prisons are full of 50% of the people in prison today were nonviolent offenses. Mm-hmm. Okay. You take a guy like, <laughs> pick one of the, the banksters <laughs> or the big pharma. Talk about the pharma, Mike. Where's, Fauci should be in prison. I mean, honestly, we can start picking up out the, that's just the most glaring thing. And you're right. There was no questions on, on yeah. what we've been through. I was like, Nope. I was waiting. I didn't think that they would start it with that because it's affected everybody. It's caused a crushing of this middle
0: class. Well, even you if know? you want to, even if you don't want to talk about COVID, the virus, you can you can relate it to the economy. Right? Of
3: course, that's what I but mean. Yeah,
0: not one question about what no. happened in the last three and a half years. That's what
3: I mean. It was maddening.
0: Yeah, I, I did not like. I thought the uh, debate, the first debate, was better questions-wise and control-wise even though there was a lot of screaming, there were a lot of moments, there were at least five in this debate where there were four of them talking at the same time. And I didn't know what the, I couldn't say, I couldn't hear anything. Yeah, You know, and that's just poor moderation. Yeah. You think if you had three moderators, <laughs> these were better moderated when you had one person, you know, and now you have three of them and they can't control seven people. It's a very sad state of affairs. They just don't know how to do it. Once again, baby, look, let me talk about this. This is part of journalism going downhill. These people don't know how to moderate debates anymore either. I mean, look at the, the big the, the guys like Brokaw. We talked about them, right? Mo, uh, you know, uh, uh, who, oh who, right, right. Walter Cronkite, Brokaw, nineties, seventies, 80s. These guys knew how. These people knew how to moderate these things, you know. And now they don't anymore. They don't. They think there all is fun. They think it's reality show. They think it's going to get views. That's what they think.
3: Well, there was a sense of decorum, too, to a degree and that existed then. You know, if you had Peter Jenkins, he, he didn't have to raise his voice. You know I mean, I don't recall him monitoring any debates, but just their demeanors, and the candidates had a sense of decorum. There wasn't this over-talking, and uh, I mean, even Pence surprised me. He's interjecting while, while Swami's trying to answer something, and it just and he it just was i i was like watching high schoolers yell at one another at some point that's i don't know i got frustrated Not a, i didn't farmer,
0: farmer swampy had the same uh, slightly less annoying than the first debate but he, he had the same kind of it's the same thing with vivek i agree with a lot of what he says yeah. and i don't believe a word he says <laughs> It's like, I don't believe he could deliver on any of it, would deliver on any of it, would have any clue how to be president of the United States. Um, and I just, uh, I don't, I don't trust him. And But Nikki Haley did, was it Nikki Haley? She did say no. that. She said, we don't trust you. And I, I agree with her. I don't trust him at all.
3: All right. Let, let's, we're to talk personalities, but the, that's important. But as far as the issues... Nobody's talking about the military, industrial, congressional complex, tech, the technological complex, the, what drives the wars and then what drives migration. You know, when you think of Smedley Butler, Wars a Racket, for example, or John Perkins, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, they, they encapsulate what's wrong with our military industrial complex. Michael Rivera, all wars are bankers' wars. When, when I'm watching, Debates like this, it's like we're putting forward, a, again, the American dream, the nationalism. There's nothing wrong with having pride in your country. Don't get me wrong. I grew up here. My father served in the military, was a naval aircraft pilot. I told you I worked at Camp Pendleton when I didn't have to remove an unexploded ordinance. You know, mm-hmm. so it, it's uh, my, I mean, I risked my life. I didn't have to take that job. Yeah. I, they could have signed me. I could have said, Fred, I don't want to risk my ass working with EOD guys when you just had lost a bunch of Marines. So, the, but the point I'm trying to make is that if unless we start addressing the military industrial complex that Eisenhower warned about and the technological complex, we're on a one-way trip to a, a broken economy that's constantly going to be feeding the military industrial complex. Over 50 cents of every tax dollar you pay federally goes to the military. Right, right, and that's what's accounted for the military budget. The Pentagon audits are short trillions of dollars every year—not billions, trillions. So we got to get that under control. You wonder why our national debt's so high? Look at that unaccounted for money—that's um, trillions of dollars. The last accounting I heard of it several years ago, there's over thirty-five trillion missing. You know, uh, I remember when they did an audit. When was it? Two thousand seventeen, eighteen, best of my recollection. So, um, all right. So I, I mean, we've talked about this before and, and that's a whole discussion, but there, then we're going to talk about bringing manufacturing back to this country. You know, dilution is not the solution. The Kalahoga River was on fire 10 times. 10 times. You have the Love Canal. We can go through. We got sacrifice zones all over Bridgeport that haven't even super fun sites that haven't even been touched yet. This with this area was a military, um, I would say, the manufacturing base for New England, Bridgeport. We had 500 manufacturing companies. And the point I'm trying to make is the cancer clusters, the breast cancer, the emphysema, the lung cancer, it's all here. Right? We cannot, when I hear anybody, I don't care who it is, saying we're going to deregulate, deregulate, deregulate and bring American companies back manufacturing back home no 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 what we need to do is we should never allow anything produced overseas where they're crapping on that country in that area like in Beijing remember that has shut down the all manufacturing for weeks just to run the Olympics? You yeah. remember that? Yeah,
0: yeah, I remember that, sure. Right? Yeah. And then
3: ship that stuff back home or not regulate what's in the baby food, the dog food, the flooring. Remember the, the, those are American companies that are subcontracting and setting up companies all over this country, including Central America, Haiti, whatever. And they're predatory. They don't take care of the people. They abuse the workforce, labor environmentally, and the reason they outsourced is because you had people like RFK Jr. who was fighting for EPA regulations, fighting to keep our fish and food sources and water and air clean. Yep. We need that.
0: I know. We do need that. In fact, we could use him at the head of the EPA.
3: That's right.
0: Which he might be if, he, right. if a person's vote do the right thing.
3: I'm all for it. Um, Uh, but I'd like to hear a candidate saying that what I what alarmed me was I heard DeSantis couple things about DeSantis one positives get out of the World Health Organization Joseph Latipo addressing big pharma plus 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 him talking about making well I didn't hear him say it tonight but you and I both know what you just mentioned about RFK Jr. bringing him on board as a cabinet member I would imagine it would be EPA, that would be yeah. the logical thing. Because yeah. you already got Joseph Lovapo to handle the pharma issue. You know? Um you gotta you know, if you're if you're a coach, you gotta put your talent where it's best allocated, and that's obviously two spots right there. Um, um, so what he says on stage, what would happen if he got elected, I, that's not a negative. What I mean to say is I think he would put RFK in a position. To uphold EPA regulations so that our children have, you know, clean water, fresh air. That's a very fundamental. You're talking about health. You know, you talk about uh, people having Obamacare or you know,
0: not. We uh, can go in a second, but I think I want to stop yeah. you for a second on that deregulating thing. I think when it comes to deregulation, it comes to deregulating the things that don't help. You know what I'm saying? There are a lot of regulations out there that don't, not only do they not help, it's like masks, right? They don't help. They only hurt. The vaccine doesn't help. It just hurts. The lockdowns didn't help. They just hurt. And there are a lot of regulations out there, most of them pushed by Democrats that they don't do anything and they end up hurting, right? They end up not letting us produce our own energy here. They, they make us reliant on China. They make gas prices go up. They make the American worker poorer. So when it comes to deregulating things, I think there are certain things you can deregulate, but then there are very important things, like you've mentioned, that you need to upheld regulations. You have to hold corporations at bay, right? You can't say profits above safety, right? So I, I don't think when Ron DeSantis talks about these getting rid of some of these regulations, he's not talking about the things that are safety, right? I think he's talking about the stupid regulations that do don't do anything but to hurt. And who do they hurt? The ordinary citizen, the middle-income person, the lower-income person. That's what he's talking about.
3: Yeah, well, he would have to be, again, he didn't have time, obviously, and I haven't heard him expound on it. You know what I mean? He didn't have time, clearly, in that setting. Um, So it'd be nice to hear more. Well, for example, when you had Andrew Wheeler break and deregulate 100 environmental regulations he was a coal industry lobbyist, Trump, Trump's EPA. We can't keep doing that because kids are going to suffer. Everybody's going to suffer if that continues to go on. You know, when you're talking about the Clean Water Act, you cannot, like the Republicans, I heard Marjorie Taylor Greene and one of them argue that we don't need to protect the wetlands. That's not part of the Clean Water Act. The wetlands is where the, oh, my God, you have to protect the wetlands. That's the filter of those You know, salt brackish waters, and it's also where a lot of life is.
0: Tons of life. You have to protect the wetlands. Smart enough to know the difference. I think Ron DeSantis is.
3: I think. Well, again, we'll hear more about that if he's going to bring on. RFK Jr. They're going to be protecting the wetlands, okay. uh, Obviously, no. so,
0: yeah. uh, so when he says he's open to bringing him on for position, right? He That's knows a good Jr. Feels about these things. He yeah, of course, his, he knows his position. Right, right. It's not a yeah. right wing position, so he he knows that. So yeah. I think that tells you right there that Ron DeSantis knows the difference. He knows the difference between regulations unlike Trump. What do you you don't think? Ron DeSantis, I'm sure he's for regulations and putting sprinklers in buildings. You know, right. you know, so it's they're just a lot of wasteful, stupid regulations that Democrats come up with. Things like, you know, we can't have gas stoves anymore. We can't have coal oven pizza. Oh, I
3: concur, right? It's stupid
0: right. crap that yeah. only hurts businesses. It's stupid. It's not necessary. It's virtue signaling. These are these are virtue signaling regulations. They're not regulations that actually help people live. So. I think that's the difference, and I, I think he knows the difference
3: between. Yeah, them. for example, if you're going to deregulate the auto industry, which I've heard him say, I'd like to hear what he means by that. You know, because if you're talking like I'm not for electric vehicles, that's a con job.
0: Exactly, um, that's another one. You know, All electric yeah. vehicles in two years? It's stupid. It's not going to happen.
3: It's totally stupid. <laughs> no, if he's talking, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, good. Yeah.
3: If he's talking that, I'm on board. But you got to remember. You had the Tucker car that was produced in the 40s that had four wheel disc brakes. It had, um, a built in roll bar, the Tucker. Um, it was getting 21 miles to the gallon, a rear engine car, five passenger sedan. Um, it, had, it was built in seat belts. Um, so many safety features. Um, and Congress crushed that car because the big three weren't wanting to go along with any of that. They were producing cars that were getting nine miles to the gallon, no seatbelts, you know what I mean? Drum brakes all around, you know, for example, it took Ralph Nader to really get some changes in the auto industry as far as safety that they should be doing on their own. You know what I mean? And so, um... That's just one example. You can go to the hemp car that Henry Ford talked about. Why are we mining the minerals of the earth and cutting down the forest? He produced a car, the hemp car. Henry Ford did the hemp body panels, Mike. He was smashing. You can look it up online, smashing the hood with a sledgehammer and it bouncing off. Mm-hmm.
0: Right.
3: I mean, and not to mention the diesel engine was, was built by uh, Rudolph D- Diesel run on oil, peanut oil.
0: You know, for after, farmers. Uh, yeah. about RFK Jr., just a thought came into my head. Yeah. I, I do want to get to some more clips, Bill, but let me just yeah, yeah. he says. You know, we've bandied about this idea, and I, I know DeSantis has poo-pooed the idea of making uh, RFK Jr. a VP of his. You know, mm. I don't know if it's the worst idea in the world. Uh, first of all, I, I think Ron DeSantis doesn't need to worry very much about his VP. I think he'll destroy Joe Biden. But... Think about that for a second. Think about what RFK Jr. brings. Republicans like him. uh, We just saw a poll that said a third of Democrats would vote for him instead of Joe Biden if he were independent. Biden would lose a third of his support. So that means a lot of Democrats like this guy, right? So a lot of Republicans we know like him. A lot of Democrats like him. A lot of independents like him. He's liked by a lot of those different groups, right? And yes, I know there are people who think you know, think he's a conspiracy theorist or people who don't like him. But I think in general, I think a lot of different voting blocks like RFK Jr. Mm -hmm. And the name has sells a lot of cachet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's the dumbest idea. I don't think it'll happen. But I don't think it's like a weird, stupid, kind of Hail Mary kind of thing. I think it wouldn't be that dumb of an idea to tell
3: you the truth. Well, I think uh, for DeSantis, okay, I think politically it would be wise. The thing is that the human dynamic, for example, Kenny is a very uh, charismatic person, right? And um, which is positive, uh, obviously, and the name, as you said, um, and the age disparity. It would just, um, how could I put it, optically – you would you would expect it to see flipped, where Kennedy would be the I because know, he's exactly. older, you know. Yeah. He's,
0: yes, yes, yes. It's very. You rare, see what I mean? It's very rare the VP is older, right? Especially by twenty years, right? Yeah, twenty five. Yeah. Then yeah. that's why we talked about that in the past. You know, an older VP is 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 not usually the case. But but here's the thing about RFK Jr. He's not your average seventy year old. The guy's ripped.
3: Oh yeah, he's yeah. great shape.
0: The guy's in fantastic. in better shape physically than DeSantis. So, yeah,
3: he is. no, <laughs> yes. I'm serious.
0: So this is not your typical like weak looking 70 no. year old. This is not like Biden or Trump or even Pence or Bernie. This is a guy who doesn't, I didn't know he was 70. I didn't think he was anywhere near 70. You know, so uh, yeah. there's that. He's got that going for him, you know, and mm. it's, it, it's not the, it's, I don't think it's the craziest idea. I don't, I would probably prefer that than DeSantis pick like a typical neocon like Nikki Haley.
3: Oh, yeah. No, I I would. And, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that about RFK Jr. Even most people don't even address his age when they're talking about whether or not he's a viable candidate because no one thinks of him as 70 years old. You know what I mean? Exactly.
0: Exactly. They don't. They don't. You know i uh, mm. it would just I know this this taboo thing right where a, a Republican can't pick a Democrat and a Democrat can't pick a Republican. I get it. it's never happened it probably would never, right. but I'm not a cult guy, and yeah, I don't right. believe in those things, so I, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a terrible idea, and I think it would be groundbreaking and in a way it would say, look, Democrats you don't have to be afraid of me, you know <laughs> Independents, you don't have to be afraid of me. I am willing to make my 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 uh, my White House very diverse, you know. And I, I, I once again, I would not totally. If I were Ron DeSantis, I would not totally eliminate that idea.
3: No, I think what I heard was him he, that Kennedy Mayburn is a libertarian. Um, you know, get out of the Democratic Party. Who knows? But in way, get, as long I as mean,
0: gets him out of the Democratic Party, yeah, <laughs> you know. But he probably have to. Uh, I don't know how this would work. This is odd. How it would work. Would he have to switch to Republican? Maybe not. Why? I don't know. I don't know either. It's a very, it's a very odd dynamic because it's never happened before, right? We don't know what that means. Well,
3: just just the fact that he, that Sanders decided he would bring him on his cabinet. And if he keeps, you know, if he men- keeps mentioning that, he'll, that's a pretty large voting uh, segment that, uh later on in this process become more important i think um for desantis the last i want to say real quick as far as um uh, precision schedule railroading for example if you deregulate this is what we get so we we need to have somebody who who can and i we've had three administrations that resulted in precision schedule railroading and that's been a huge disaster so hopefully desantis I, I'm looking forward to hearing more about what he's planning to do, um, to protect Americans so that costs of environmental, social, and health aren't passed on to them by, um, predatory business practices. Cause that's what led to that disaster and the decision to light up those cars is just tragic. So anyway, so, but more will be revealed as, as, you know, this process goes on. But I, the other rest of them, there's any, not anybody else that have even considered I, uh, as even a long shot. And, and I don't think I, the rest of them stand any chance uh, that we're on stage there tonight. So hopefully the, the field gets narrowed down and then and we get some. That's the
0: important some, thing because then yeah. they can spend more time on the, on the
3: issues. issues. Right.
0: Exactly. And they can get more than 20 seconds each, and there won't be as much screaming and yelling. That
3: cross-talking, I, yeah,
0: cross-talking.
3: Yeah. You, you know what amazes me? Hearing him, I've never anchored anything like that. But I would never go into that debate without my producers knowing. I well, first, So it sounds like they had the power to mute, is what you're saying, because one of the – I didn't hear that. I didn't stick around long enough. So one of the – um, uh, inter, what do you want to call it? Anchors said that they could mute, yeah? But Dana
0: said, I'm sorry, I might have to mute your mic. I don't want to do yeah.
3: that. Yeah. So, yeah. I know what she was
0: waiting for. <laughs> Bill, I know. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Bill. I appreciate yeah, talk it. Yeah, I talked to you. So another thing that just came to mind is Biden debating Bernie Sanders. If you remember in 2020, Bernie won Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, and then lost South Carolina. And once he lost South Carolina, it went downhill from there. Um, and then COVID that happened, right? And everything was thrown up in the air. Bernie couldn't have his his rallies anymore. Uh, And Biden pretty much took over the reins and also COVID was happening, right? Even Joe Biden gave Bernie that one debate, if you remember, that head to head debate. And he did not have to do that. He would not. It wouldn't matter. He would have won the nomination anyway at that point. He was way ahead. Yet even the guy that Trump makes fun of for hiding in his basement, okay, you can add him to the list of, of people who didn't have to debate because the polls, it was, and, and with it, 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 this is even more of a uh, my point. It wasn't even the polls at that point. It was the actual voting. Biden was way ahead. He did not have to give Bernie any debates. And he gave him that one-on-one. We were just talking with Bill about whittling down. This was a one-on-one debate and he gave it to him. Okay? So this is why Trump is so full of shit. He's totally, totally full of shit. When he cites ridiculous fake polls months before the voting starts as the reason why he doesn't have to debate when all he did was laugh at criticize and deride others for doing what he's doing now and it's once again mind-blowing to me that his cult gives him a pass on this stuff when they don't give anybody else a pass just him because he's so special is it was so was is he? Is he hot is he good looking is he exciting is he, uh, is he is he what is it what is it what is it with this fucking guy oh huh. anyway back to DeSantis here's DeSantis talking about Trump and his this is on the during the debate
1: so please spare me uh the crocodile tears for these people they need to change what's going on and where's Joe Biden he's completely missing in action from leadership and you know who else is missing in action Donald Trump is missing in action. He should be on this stage tonight. He owes it to you. To defend his record, where they added $7.8 trillion to the debt, that set the stage for the inflation that we have. Now, I can tell you this, as governor of Florida, we cut taxes, we ran surpluses, we've paid down over 25% of our state debt, and I vetoed wasteful spending when it came to my desk. And as your president, when they send me a bloating spending bill that's going to cause your prices to go up, I'm going to take out this veto pen, and I'm going to send it right back to them. So please there
0: you spare. go. That's another... It's true. Please spare me the crocodile tears. Spare me, okay? Reagan gave Mondale debates. Biden gave Sanders debate. My friend, Stu Starkey, who was 57 points behind McCain, got debates. This is bullshit. He's full of crap. He truly is. He's afraid. The big tough guy. He's such a tough guy, isn't he? Trump. He's such a tough guy. Tough. Tough on. Tough on. Truth social. He's a tough tweeter. He's a tough tweeter. At two in the morning. What else is he doing at two in the morning? Tweeting in all capital letters. That's tough. That shows you're tough, by the way. And you put everything in capital letters. That that means you're tough. I guess. I guess that's what that means. I. You know what? There's nothing I hate more than fake bullies. Fake tough guys i hate they they despise them i despise them and that's what he is now you're at that reagan library you're at the, by the way there was a clip of reagan what was that like 9 days before he left office it was i think it was dated january 11th of 89 and it was pretty good i mean he seemed i remember there was the wasn't there the idea that he had lost it by then that he had he had he was senile that nancy was running everything I know he was reading into a tele of a teleprompter, but he certainly sounded a lot better than Biden or Trump sound now. I don't know. Maybe that's fake that he was losing it at the end of his uh, second term. It didn't seem like it. Not not from that speech clip they showed. Um, But I think the takeaway is that DeSantis was superb tonight. I mean, he was just. (laughs) It's almost as though. And this could be the case. He could be so smart that it was almost planned for him not to be as good in the first debate, right? As though he was starting out slow so he could see as improved and getting better. Because the, the difference in, once again, not substance, the things he said were consistent, nothing changed as usual. But the style was so much smoother, so much more natural, so much more, I'm your friend, human, connecting smooth, sweet, incredible. I'm I, i I'm, I'm just, I'm dazzled by that. And when Trump watches that, he shits in his pants. You know, when you, I think some people say it's Photoshopped, but I choose to believe it's not. You know, when Trump is on the golf course and he's wearing those ridiculous, this is another thing. This guy's ego is so big. When you're fat, you wear black. You don't wear white. He wears these white, that white shirt and those white pants. It looks like a fucking balloon. And <laughs> there's a little bit of, A little bit bit of brown in the crack. (laughs) I don't know if it's photoshopped or not, but I choose to believe it's not. But he's probably crapping in his pants when he watches DeSantis. He knows after watching him tonight, he knows he can never debate him. He knows he'll have to opt out of every debate. He can't do it. He cannot let Ron DeSantis destroy him, because that's what will happen, right? Just like we're comparing the people on the stage now Trump's cult can always believe that he would be better. Oh, oh but if, if he did it, he'd be better. They're lucky he's not debating. So they can believe that nonsense. But once he's on that stage being destroyed by the likes of DeSantis and even Christie, then that goes poof. That idea goes poof. And the whole world sees, the country sees, that he's a big nothing ball, Trump. And Trump can't allow that to happen. He can't allow it to happen. He can't allow people to say that someone out-debated him that someone kicked his ass, so he won't do it. This is in line with my prediction that when Trump knows that he's going to lose Iowa, he will drop out before the voting happens because he cannot lose to Ron DeSantis. He can't lose anything, especially the first date to Ron DeSantis. So he will drop out. Just the way he's dropped out of these debates, because he knows he can't beat DeSantis, he's seen as having DeSantis beat him. He can't. His ego can't take that. So he will have to drop out before the voting starts because he cannot lose to Ron DeSantis and he'll blame everyone else. Right. He's not going to say I knew I was going to lose. He's going to say, oh, it was rigged. The Republicans rig things just like the Democrats do. And, oh, you know, this guy DeSantis has used my weaknesses against me and he's running only because of my indictments. And and the Democrats have destroyed me. And the Department of Justice has rigged the election. You know, he's going to blame everyone and everything but himself. That's what he's going to do. They're making me have to drop out, so I have to worry about defending myself in court. I have to spend my time to do that, to to stay out of jail because these people are are all against me, and they want to put me in jail, and I can't let them do that, so I'll have to drop out. He'll blame everything. The excuses will be fast and furious on all capital letters at 2 in the morning. On Truth Social. If it still exists, it's going bankrupt. Another thing Trump promised was Truth Social would have forty million users by now, and there are two million. So that's gonna go bankrupt too. The people who were bankrolling it, because he's too cheap to bankroll it himself, are saying, Well, where's the return here, baby? You said this was gonna be bigger than Twitter. Of course it's not. Of course he lied about that. Just like he lied about the wall and paying for the wall in Mexico and and everything else, and draining the swamp. Uh, let's get to some more clips. I could always go through these later and play them on the next couple of shows. and I'm sure we'll hear a lot of you know the the response to the sh- to what's going on the 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 analysis and all that. I never take that too seriously um, because everyone has an agenda usually with this stuff the only The only analysis I take seriously are the voters, right? I don't take the legacy media and these talking heads seriously. They all have a narrative and agenda. They're all political activists, but I take seriously the voters. I take seriously those voters who say, we're gonna watch it and then we're gonna decide based on what we see. And at least that Iowa you know, room had him winning, had him winning. Um, I don't, I, I think, the, oh, here it is. Here's another good one. Okay, I wanna play this clip. This is about DC politicians and uh, and the Ukraine, uh, It's
1: in our interest to end this war, and that's what I will do as president. We are not going to have a blank check. We will not have U.S. troops, and we're going to make the Europeans do what they need to do. But they've sent money to pay uh, bureaucrats' pensions and salaries and funding small businesses halfway around the world. Meanwhile, our own country is being invaded. Uh, We don't even have control of our own territory. We have got to defend the American people before we even worry about all these other things. And I watch these guys in Washington, D.C., and they don't care about the American people. They don't care about the fentanyl deaths. They don't care about the communities being overrun because of this border. They don't care about the Mexican drug cartels. So as commander-in-chief, I will defend this country's sovereignty. (laughs)
0: It's a great answer. Something did strike me. I was in this restaurant in San Francisco, I told you, and all the waiters were Latino. I'm guessing some of them, if not all of them, were Mexican. you're <laughs> having all these candidates talking about how awful Mexico is and the cartels and these people are serving us. And I thought for a second, something doesn't seem right about this. I mean, those servers got the same point of view about their old country, right? mean, that's why they left. But it's, it seemed very odd that I'm being served by Mexicans. <laughs> These candidates are constantly bashing Mexico the entire night. It seemed a little odd, a little odd. You just wonder what Mexicans in this country who are working here, who are either, you know, residents or citizens or whatever, working here legally think about all this. And often in polls, we see they are even more anti- illegal immigration than Americans are. Why? You know why? Because they did it the right way. They went through the process. So I felt awkward, but it they probably agree with it. You know, they they often vote uh, uh, on this way. A lot of a lot of more Latinos are voting Republican now. Latinos are voting Republican because of this, because they don't like this idea of people being able to, to come across so easily. And they had to work at it right come across illegally they didn't they went through the proper channels it takes years to do this they did it the right way so they don't want people to be able to get away with doing it the illegal way and of course it makes their people look bad all these illegals coming or the the cartels or the fentanyl it makes mexico look bad it makes mexicans look bad and they don't like that so the truth is they probably agree with all of it And we know more and more in elections that Republicans have done much better. Look at DeSantis in Florida. He did incredibly well with with, uh, Cubans and Latinos. Well, Cubans in general vote Republican, but Latinos that often vote Democrat, non-Cuban Latinos, they often vote Democrat. They voted for him. So he did very well. He did very well with Latinos in, in Florida. He did well with everyone in Florida. You don't win Florida by 20 points without winning every basically every single uh, party preference and, 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 uh, and demographic. Um, like, so the, also Vivek said something. Well, what was interesting about Vivek, who's becoming more and more of a nothing burger, but he addressed his annoying ways. Do you notice that? At one point in this election, he said, maybe I come across as knowing everything because he saw that criticism that he comes across as this young know-it-all used car salesman who talks fast. So he kind of – it was kind of – I guess it was kind of clever for him to try to address his negatives and say, oh, I understand those negatives, but this is not really the way I am, even though that is the way he is. you know. So I, that was interesting. He seemed – he over the last month, he's heard the criticisms from the first debate, right? So he kind of addressed that a little bit. But he also said something like, you know, I want to give Trump credit for being the greatest president ever, which of course is a lie, because Vivek in his own book said Trump was a disaster. The guy is a, a, a fake, a phony and a fraud, which is why I don't like him, even though the words that come out of his mouth, I usually agree with. Um, uh, that's part of a used car salesman, right? That's that's what they're good at. You, they say things that sound good to you, right? But they're selling you a lemon. And that's basically what Farmer Swampy is. But when he said, you know, Trump was the greatest president I want to give him credit for that tonight. He's full of shit. Trump added $7.8 trillion to the deficit. How is that the greatest president ever? There were presidents that, was it Bill Clinton? Was it Ronald Reagan? I don't know. I'm not an economist, but I believe they did much better with the economy, with the deficit than Donald Trump did, right? So he added $7.8 trillion to the deficit. That's not right there. That takes him out of the best president that ever existed. Plus, people woke up with heartburn every day when he was president. That's, A big part of the problem with Donald Trump is the drama he brings along. People don't want that in their lives. They have enough drama in their own lives, with their own friends, with their own jobs, with their own family. They don't need this constant drama from the president of the United States where you wake up thinking, oh, fuck, what's he going to do today? What's he going to say today? What trouble is he going to get us into today? How is he going to open his big fat mouth today? That anxiety that we felt for four years is what people outside his cult don't want to feel. His cult needs it. They love it. See, that's the dichotomy. His cult loves that drama because their lives are empty vessels of nothingness, and they need that in their lives. But most people don't. Most people don't. Independents certainly don't want that kind of drama. They don't want that. They don't want to have that knot in their stomach every time they turn on the news and hear about what Trump is doing or saying or has done to get us into some kind of hot water or to cause anxiety. That's what people don't want again, which is why he cannot win a general election. But it's exactly that that his cult loves. And it has to do with that psychological need for him in their lives, because their lives are indeed empty and meaningless. I don't want to seem mean and nasty, but that's just the truth. That is the truth of them. Normal people don't need that. We have enough going on, enough problems. Don't need the President of the United States to be a constant anxiety attack, which is what he was and would be again, but he won't be again because he can't win. Donald Trump can't win. <laughs> this is just a simple fact I'll say it until my, my head's bloodied knocking me against the wall Donald Trump is not becoming president again if he wins the nomination he's not becoming president again he's not becoming president again it's not happening it's an impossibility it's not, don't even think about it it's not normal but Ron DeSantis could be and I think he proved tonight that he's uh, he's ready He's ready, willing, and able, and he knows how to win. The guy is 5-0 and o in elections for a reason. He knows how to win these elections. He's never lost. He knows this process. He understands how to campaign. Like Bill said, he's so good. Oh, Daniel said, "It's so good at thinking on his feet and answering the questions. Um. Donald Trump just loses. He barely won the electoral college. He lost the popular vote twice. He lost the electoral college one out of two times. So he's lost three out of four times. All of his candidates have lost for the last six years. He's a loser. He doesn't know how to win. He doesn't know how to politic. He doesn't know how to campaign. He doesn't know how to win hearts and minds. He doesn't know how to win votes. He's a loser. He's a proven loser. Everything he touches loses. Santos is the winner, and I think he proved it again tonight. Well, if there are any other last I'm gonna do last I'm gonna do last calls, like last last call for drinks. This is not as exciting. But if you have any if you want to talk, if anyone wants to say anything about the debate, what they saw, or anything else, now is the time. I should get the Jeopardy. The Jeopardy theme. Do 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 the final Jeopardy and play that. But uh if not, then I guess we're gonna uh We're going to call the show because there are probably more clips I can play, but I want to compile them. Remember, I just, I literally got home an hour before I went on the air because I was at that debate. And then we had conversations after with people and people were, you know, needling me about Trump and I was needling them about Trump and all that stuff. And we had some conversations about Ukraine. So it's always good to get out and, and see these things with other people, you know, and, uh, like I said, hopefully, as this process goes through, we'll hear more and more applause for DeSantis and less applause, hopefully, hopefully for, for Trump. OK, well, this was a good Wednesday night show. want to remind people, we still have a Thursday night show and a Friday night show. because I'm on weeknights, uh, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern time, which means I'll see you right back here tomorrow night okay the name of this fantastic show is (laughs) and let's be heard and until tomorrow night this is mike cachopoli reminding you that your influence counts use it